Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort, senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm joined by Brianna Wu, a game developer, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. How are we doing tonight? Uh, I mean, I think Why I'm alive. Why did I even I ask? can't be sure. No, we I have to go sure. right into right. our first topic because this has yes. affected all of us. Yes, but especially Simone. Especially me. In order, I would say me, number one. Um, many, many important people saw their mm-hmm. Twitter accounts hacked this evening, which resulted in Twitter locking verified accounts, blocking them from tweeting for a, an amount of time. Um, this, of course, is what affected all of us and silenced yes. us. I was silenced. Um, however, don't worry, because it's about to get scary. <laughs> <laughs> so this attack lasted over two hours, and the list of people and accounts that were affected is honestly shocking. So these this included uh, accounts like Elon Musk, Joe Biden, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, and Barack Obama. You might recognize those people as, like, actually important. And companies like Cash App, Uber, and freaking Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these accounts were hacked, affected in some way, and tweeted out this Bitcoin scam, basically saying, boy, howdy, I'm feeling super generous. Maybe adding in a reference to, like, generous because COVID is happening. Send an amount of money to this Bitcoin address, and I will pay you back double. Oh, wow. And then including the, like, very long code. Um, Apparently, this actually, you might say, ha that's silly. Who would fall for that? Some people did. Um, because Bitcoin transactions are public, we can see that money has moved towards these accounts. And in some cases out of those accounts, it's not clear, like whether they're actually paying back double the amount. Uh, I doubt it, but people have, Uh, I'd say no. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Uh, (laughs) people have, I I thought about doing it actually. I've got a bunch of money in that account. Yeah. Just to be on the train, the stupid decision train. But then I was like, no, that's a bad decision. Then I'm enabling cybercrime. I'm really, I'm, I'm happy that you did come to this decision. Would love to walk with you through (laughs) this thought process later. Same. Um, At the time of recording, which is Wednesday night, mere hours after this happened, it is not quite clear yet how it happened. However, according to Motherboard, it might be related to Twitter's admin tools because some Mm -hmm. people who are purportedly involved in the hack have shown Motherboard an image uh, of an internal tool. And this image has been being passed around and Twitter has been taking down the image uh, when it's posted. So it could be something uh, that uh, comes from Twitter's internal tools, whether that means like a Twitter employee or somebody who hacked Twitter itself and got access to tools that they shouldn't have had access to. We'll hopefully find out by next week. Um, And one interesting aspect of it I think is interesting is uh, Cameron Winklevoss, whose crypto exchange Gemini was affected and uh, Coinbase as well, uh, said that the accounts that were affected use two-factor and a very strong password. Um, Which, good news, because, hey, if you have a crypto account, you'd freaking better. But uh, what's clear is that those security measures, which we consider standard, having those or not having those did not necessarily affect whether you were able to be hacked and have this scam tweeted out from your account. Yep. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good reminder that ultimately how any web service works, um, there would be very few exceptions to this, right? Like there, there could be a way that you could do this without anyone at the service themselves having the ability to have any sort of managerial access. That would be rare. And to be totally honest, that would in most cases be an extraordinarily bad idea. But but it is kind of a good reminder that it's like, okay, the way that those sorts of keys work and the way that these access things work, there's usually an override, right? Like, you know, ultimately, if you were using someone else's service, uh, there are there's a certain amount of faith and trust that you have to put in that company. Um for them to be handling, you know, their security, so to speak. Well, it makes sense, right? Like yeah. at first we're like, with the first wave of it, it was uh, Elon and Kanye were the yeah. ones that people were reporting on. And, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I have friends that work at Tesla and they have occasionally made comments about Elon's ability to concentrate. So I could <laughs> imagine him like being lapsed with security. And Kanye, there's literally a video of him entering his password 000000. Oh, yeah, yeah, on his phone, he doesn't have right. you know, completely. No, I mean, well, that's the thing. I think that when we were first kind of looking at this before it became clear that it was something more broad, like when I think Apple was the first one that I saw and I was like, oh, okay, that's (laughs) weird. Uh, But but, Mm -hmm. but to be totally honest, my thought process was I bet, you know, someone, maybe their tool, you know, that they use to manage lots of people having access to the account, maybe someone there, maybe that was was hacked or, you know, certainly this has been the case because Twitter doesn't have any built-in tools to really manage multiple people having access to an account. You have to use third-party services. Uh, and, and also, if you've been logged in and have like a, a, a cookie to be able to tweet from an account, if the password is changed until that cookie, uh, until that login token expires, you can still tweet. So it, it, there, there, there are some like weird edge cases so like, okay, maybe maybe something happened and, you know, we've all been there. And then it became very yeah. clear, oh, no, this is completely targeted and has nothing to do with the individuals tweeting themselves, which right. uh, I don't think this is the first time this has happened. It's certainly the first time it's ever happened on this scale. I do recall about 11 years ago, there were a number of big Twitter accounts that were hacked. Uh, this was like January 2011. I remember it was like Britney Spears and I think Leo Laporte and and there were some others. And there have certainly been times where we've seen celebrities have their accounts breached that didn't seem necessarily like it was their own doing because they would be people who would have like two-factor um, enabled. But right. this is, is like uncharted territory and well, what we saw. This is my theory about what happened is, you know, at first I was like with Kanye and, uh, you know, Elon, that it was, you know, poor password. But then, like you said, uh, Christina, you know, Joe Biden got hacked. Right. Apple got hacked. Like people that Bill Gates got hacked. Bill it's Gates, like, right. I trust Bill Gates to have TFA on. So this Absolutely. is my theory. And I trust about Joe this. Biden's I'm, aides to have put TFA right. on his phone. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So this is my theory. You know, Twitter has recently announced a, uh, you know, 100% virtual workforce uh, in times of COVID. So my guess is, you know, there's, if you're moving around passwords or a lot of people working from home, your 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 attack surface just gets exponentially mm. bigger. Right. So all you've got to do is find one person that didn't set up screen sharing on their Mac, right? Ask me why I'm thinking about that this <laughs> week. <laughs> you know, 
one person that that messed up or decided to, you know, put their credentials in Slack or something like that. I just think in the move to being virtual, as they're trying to administer all of Twitter, like someone just made a mistake. So, um, I mean, that does that, that seem plausible? That to you? honestly sounds super plausible to me. Yeah. And it, like the theory about it being someone inside Twitter, it definitely wouldn't be the first time that that has happened. But also, it, it really just seems like this is kind of the perfect storm of everyone being away from, like, the iron clutches of an IT <laughs> department. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, be, right, exactly. Because although you can put a certain amount of things behind a firewall and require a VPN to, to do it, that becomes really frustrating if you're not actually on the corporate network. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot of services and tools where people don't need that, you know, because they, they have remote access. Yeah. I think someone popped something was able to access, um, an employee's account, uh, who had access to these things. And yeah, as, as you pointed out, Simone, you know, We've seen that happen before. I mean, famously, some employee before, right before they quit, um, like disabled Donald Trump's account. Yeah, uh, if, if we remember that, if we remember that hero, <laughs> we'll um, always but, remember that. But but that's like a but that's to me right there that shows that's okay a prank. Look, right, that's a prank, but it does show okay. There, the tools give them access to do things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what I what I think is the only thing you know, like we've all had fun and games with this. Like the the the, the blue check marks weren't allowed to tweet, you know, and and they're trying to like uh, clamp this down. Obviously, there are some real concerns when you have accounts like Elon and and Mr. Beast and um, some of the crypto accounts tweeting things out where it could actually cause naive people to send you know, money to those Bitcoin addresses, like that's negative. And, and obviously, I'm sure these companies and these politicians are upset about this happening. Uh, but, but, but by and large, you know, it's it's relatively like not a big deal. But I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Twitter handles the disclosure around this and what mm -hmm. that process is like. Because so far, understandably, I, I'm not criticizing them as, as we record this at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday, um, they've been pretty quiet and there hasn't been a lot of explanation. That's mm -hmm. okay for right now. I want like a complete like the debrief from them in a couple of days where they, you know, basically give us you know, like the, the 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 full explanation of everything that went wrong and how it happened. Yeah, because tonight right. they're dealing with putting Absolutely. putting out those fires. But I, I think it definitely is relevant because as funny as I find it, like the best response was really mad that the verified people keep getting all these new features, like <laughs> having to be right. off Twitter. That's great. <laughs> and then on the other hand, I'm like, man, I hate to see some like a presidential candidate's account being affected and someone like Bill Gates, who is obviously like a very, very active, uh, notable liberal. Like, I, I hate the fact that somebody could point to those accounts being affected and be like, oh, look, Joe Biden isn't mm -hmm. qualified to be president of the United States because his account got hacked. He's going to like leak all our secrets to foreign powers. Like, right. that's like the the worst Maybe not even worst case scenario, <laughs> maybe yeah, real scenario. That goes into my, uh, so, you know, Simone, you're talking about wanting transparency from Twitter. I have a very straightforward question for Twitter that mm -hmm. I think we need answered. And that is from this control panel, which has been leaked, um, are Twitter people able to access our DMs? 
because I got to tell you, if that was able to get leaked out there to everyone, that would certainly affect my career. <laughs> um, and you, know, you think about this. This isn't just like, haha, like no. embarrassing people. Think about Trump. Like, can you imagine what his DMs must be like? I mean, think yeah, about, I mean, think about I mean, people. Right. I mean, yeah. well, well, okay. So it, well, it kind of it depends. Um, I'm, I'm going to say two things. To be completely candid with you, yeah, I expect that certain people high enough up at Twitter can't access DMs. Uh, Twitter has never made any claims about DMs being encrypted. They've never yep. made any claims about them being private. People use in that way. I've certainly said things in DMs and in group chats that would be terrible. The same way if any of our personal communications were released without context or you know just thrown out there, like it, it that, that's not something I would wish on anyone. And I, I'm I'm not absolving that, but I am going to say I have a feeling that's the case. The other right. thing is you're exactly right about Trump, but that's one of the reasons why there was. A, like if, if we go back to the Halcyon days of 2008 when Obama was elected, you know, he insisted on having his BlackBerry and the and Congress didn't want him to have it because they said, oh, you know, this is going to be a problem. Obviously, uh, President Obama and his, you know, ancient BlackBerry were fine, but our president uses an insecure like Samsung phone that he sends his tweets with uh, and, and that has a lot more security implications I would hope, and I, I have a feeling um, that that you know that either Trump doesn't know how to use DMs or is just you know someone has has like if if not disabled that ability for him is is you know convinced him that that's something that he shouldn't do just because you know I mean that that would be such a major violation. I, I, look, nothing with this president would surprise me, but that would be such a major violation of just basic security and disclosure decorum rules for how a head of state operates. Uh, but I mean, yeah. think about what he may have been like when he didn't expect to win, right? During the campaign, maybe he's colluding with Russians there. Maybe he's talking to Stormy Daniels. Who knows? My point is that's going to be mega embarrassing if oh, it comes agreed, out. Agreed. And it I could mean, have wider national security concerns, which ties beautifully into our next topic. Whoa. Are you telling me that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace? <laughs> Make your next move. <laughs> Brianna, hey. Brianna, shut your mouth. Yes. I want you to make your next move right now with Squarespace. <laughs> it lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique <sighs> domain, award-winning templates, and more. Listen up. Sticky, sh- no, stop it. You stop talking. Maybe you want to create an online store. <laughs> Maybe you want to, hey now, hey now. None of that, none of that laughter. None, no, no. Mm-hmm. I want you out there creating portfolios. I want you creating blogs. I want you doing it on Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Squarespace has it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Wow, the measure on that one got away from me. (laughs) I forgot how many syllables words have. And guess what? All of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. So those portfolios, stores, and blogs that you're going to make, they're going to look so freaking nice. Everyone's going to look at them and be like, whoa, this person has good taste in fonts, photo layouts, color schemes, all kinds of stuff. And they did it with Squarespace. 
Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and show your support for Rocket. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket and the code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. <laughs> Woohoo. And that's all she wrote. I, I would just like to say that if anyone was wanting to make a Squarespace page with the domain name um, uh, bluecheckmark.com or twitterverify.com, oh. I apologize. That is not a possibility, <gasps> but you could do some variation of that, and that would be a fantastic Squarespace page to make. Did you to, to buy make. those domains? No, I didn't. I was going to, but uh, I. I, I <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately was not able to. Ironically, uh, bluecheckmark.com redirects to a private YouTube video that only has 240 views since 2010, which means that, like, no one has ever visited the site. So uh, that's interesting. And I wish that I had thought of this earlier because I totally would have bought bluecheckmark.com because that would be a really funny, I like, think Squarespace website. What we should do... I, I wish we could buy bluecheckmark.com and then make it a Squarespace blog. And only because Twitter verified people can no longer tweet, only Twitter verified people could post on that blog. Yep. We can make some sort of website. Yep. Absolutely. You know? It'd be pretty great. Call it the New York Times or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, on to our next topic. What wow. were we talking about? Privacy concerns? Oh, yeah, and, 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 and national security? And national security? Funny you should mention it. Uh, concerns about TikTok are ramping up in the United States with government officials and a few companies making gestures towards banning the app. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about who and what those gestures are, but this follows, of course, India actually following through on banning TikTok. Their situation is a little more, a little different than ours because they are in an ongoing border dispute with China that has resulted in recent deaths. Um, stateside, there's not one like TikTok specific thing that happened that's making everyone freak out. There was a privacy issue with iOS 14 that allowed a bunch of apps, including TikTok, to see clipboard data, um, which obviously I'm not a fan of that. However, well, it wasn't like... No, and, and 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 to be very clear, there are very valid reasons that um, applications would want to be able to access your pasteboard, like completely valid reasons. Oh, yeah. What was concerning was that the way iOS 14 was reporting things is it made it seem like TikTok, and, and there were other apps who were doing this too, would be checking like every couple of seconds to see what was on your clipboard. Mm -hmm. So people were freaking out. Oh, they're, they're, they're spying. They're sending my data someplace. There's no proof at all that that was actually happening. Yeah. And it wasn't TikTok. TikTok specific. didn't instigate that. It was a, an iOS 14 issue specifically. And yeah, as Christina said, that wouldn't like that to be happening all the time, but it wasn't like a nefarious uh, deep state op. Anyway, the point is <laughs> uh, a few people have, uh, people and companies have taken actions. Mike, Mike Pompeo told Fox News, hey, we want to ban TikTok. Uh, whether there's follow through on that or not, we shall see. 
Amazon told its employees they couldn't have TikTok on their phones and then walked that back almost immediately and said, whoops, we didn't mean to say that. Uh, But Wells Fargo did ban TikTok for its employees. And the Democratic National Convention has said, hey, when you're here, don't have TikTok on your phone. So those are just a few of the things that have been happening. Um, And we'll get into the reasons. But I want to throw it to you guys because I feel like I just talked quite a bit. Well, I mean, so, so Christine, you're talking about valid reasons. There's a fantastic uh, Reddit post out there from someone that actually reverse engineered TikTok to look at, oh, is there, well, let me every, every, Okay, yeah. every security expert I've talked to completely dismisses that Reddit thread, but go on. Okay, well, uh, the allegations, at least they've been made, um, are... TikTok doing things like pinging the GPS, uh, the P- GPS location of it constantly, uh, getting information about your router, your network, and some stuff there that's uh, more innocuous, right? Like your CPU, whether there's disk space to install or save stuff. But yeah, there's there's definitely a concern that's out there. And yeah, to me, I think we've got to have a discussion because if you have read Edward uh, Snowden's work, you remember him talking about Leviathan and a lot of the tools that, uh, you know, the NSA has access to. Sure. He, he talks in his work about them being able to go into Facebook and just Googling something and basically having a main line to all of that data. Maybe Facebook works with them. Maybe it's a zero day. We don't know. But I find that allegation credible. And there's, quite frankly, I think there's a... It's a double standard where I think we're okay if American intelligence agencies are able to use American tech companies to do this stuff. But I think when a Chinese company is having the same kind of power, I think that makes us start waking up and really asking ourselves some very critical questions. So, you know, this goes to my theory that we need to have overall regulation for all of this. Uh, because it's 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 frankly hypocritical. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of two minds about this TikTok thing. I think that both things can be true. I think that to be completely candid, I think that most of the bluster from um, you know companies in the United States, including you know governments and 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 politicians, is bluster. I think that this is this is being used by you know uh, the the Trump administration and by some members of Congress as a pawn in the trade war, similar to the way that Huawei and ZTE were. Having said that, that's kind of a good example is that there have been real security concerns around Huawei and ZTE, and we've seen many other countries now, you know, commit to divesting the infrastructure from those companies uh, from their, you know, like, uh, their cellular towers and their other types of infrastructure over the course of the next, you know, however many years. So I think that you could say, look, this is a company that is, that has a U.S., uh, you know, a, a CEO base in the United States and does employ a lot of, um, you know, American um, employees, but is a Chinese company that we don't have a lot of insight into. And there are, um, frankly, just differences between how a Western and how an Eastern company operate things and how uh, they hand things off. I've, I've had the debate with some people online where they've wanted to equate what the U.S. government does and what the Chinese government does. And look, I, I can see that argument. I personally disagree. I do think that there are some very fundamental differences between the the two governments. That isn't to say that the U.S. government is perfect, and that isn't to say that the Chinese government is evil. But I do think that there's there's a nuance there, right? So I do think that there can be maybe like legitimate concerns uh, that 
do exist about the the role of, of TikTok and maybe some of the things that it's doing. Having said that, I'm of the opinion that the the current outrage putting the stuff in India aside, which is a little bit different in that situation, you're t- you're talking about potentially, you know, um, almost, you know, a, a situation where there could be war involved. And you're talking about like, OK, we don't want people who are potentially on like, enemy, you know, fighting on enemy lines, having stuff on their phones. Right. Like, I think that's a different context. And I would even say in the United States, having the army and the Navy say we don't want this app on our phone is different than Congress saying we're going to ban a service when so far we haven't seen anything um, to, you know, basically say, why why is this any worse than any of the other tools that we use? And yeah. B, to me, it does genuinely feel like this is doing two things. One, it takes the attention away from Facebook and Google and other companies that frankly have a vested interest in not wanting, you know, to talk about, uh, you know, them being split up. So it's, it's, it's a real great squirrel to just go, let's look at that. And the other thing is I do think that this is a pawn in, in, in a trade war. I don't think that this is, I'm not getting anything from the politicians where they actually see this as a potential national security concern this is bluster. Yeah, That's and my to back up take. what you were saying uh, about uh, attention being called away from other companies and security researchers looking into TikTok, what uh, the Verge piece reported from Nick Stat was people that that people have found that TikTok, the data that it collects, is not different from what most apps that we use collect, and right. that that in itself is bad. Because those apps, right. like every app, is collecting a, an amount of data that is scary and weird and bad and not easy to justify, like, why they need that. Obviously, I, I think it is a little different when there's, like, the nebulous question of, okay, maybe this data as a whole isn't being used for anything specific. But if somebody specific can be surveilled with this data that does become a problem if the Chinese government or any government is involved because government surveillance (laughs) is bad. Um, But I I think it's, I don't want to go down the road of like throw it all in the garbage because it's all equally bad. Um, Although that is, I think generally what every security story comes down to for me. But uh, I, I do agree with you, Christina, that like this is a specific situation where it's, it's bigger than a question of TikTok and what data does TikTok have because of the the trade war. And yeah. yeah. I mean, but this is this is how I feel about this. And this is Christina, this is not a comment aimed at you, but one of the things I saw running for office is sometimes when you talk to people about problems, they will then posit a way that that incremental solution does not cover every single use case and isn't perfectly fair. Sure. And it's very, you know, all or nothing thinking. And I I I am a hundred percent on board with the message that this is hypocrisy. This is a double standard. If we just want to talk about realistic threats, like we should make people that are vulnerable, like patch all their OS software. There need to be procedures <laughs> in place for that. Like there's a very wide attack surface for this. But just pragmatically, you know, one of the ways politics can or used to stop in the United States is when they crossed the border. And I mean, to me, it's going, 
Well, maybe if we're starting to have this conversation because national security is involved, maybe it's a, a first step because I, I, I don't think it would be right to go and put TikTok out of business, even though I don't think the Chinese government would have any issue doing that to an American company. I, I don't think that's a way that we go with Western I mean, values. that's the big question, yeah. right? Is like there have been like companies like Google and Apple have tried to operate in China and not been able to make that work. Like with, right. um, yeah, with, at, anyway, examples. Um, and the splintering of the internet, if we start doing the same thing over here, I'm not necessarily saying like, oh, we should take the high road and not, <laughs> not like ban Chinese <laughs> apps, but I mean, it is I going am. to contribute to the, okay, sure. I mean, I am, I, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely going to say that. I think that I, I personally am very, 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 very bothered by the idea that there would be any sort of like VPN level, like, like ISP level ban of any service just because the government or someone else deems that to be the case like that. No, I actually totally agree with that. I am absolutely on board with you there. But that it's not it's not ban it or do nothing. Like there are a lot of gradiated steps we could say here. Like we could say, well, OK, right. uh, if if I mean, an Apple could even do this. Samsung, you know, Google could do this saying, OK, if you're here and you're doing this, we are going to subject you to oversight with this. You're not going to have these permissions. Sure, and- but 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 I think that already happens, right? I mean, the the reality is is that even and and look, the the Reddit thread where the person was reverse engineering it, every um, person that I've talked to who is a security professional has dismissed that subreddit where they're trying to reverse engineer it as frankly a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing trying to find stuff. But even if you were to say that some of the things they were looking at were scary looking, and I don't doubt that, these are all things that have been allowed by the APIs and the SDKs and the rules of iOS and Android. Now, if you want to, if we want to have a bigger conversation about whether those things should be allowed, I, I and this is where I think we're going to disagree, Bree. I don't think that the government is the one who should be setting those things. I think that the companies should be looking at those policies, and these are things that, that should be made more clear to end users. Um, but I, I, I really do have a hard time with with getting to a place where we're saying we're saying that as government entities, you can't do these sorts of things. What I will say is that if you do have rules in place, like for instance, one of the big problems that TikTok does have is that a whole bunch of young people use it, and there are people, young people, who are using it in ways that are you know potentially dangerous to them and, and potentially even illegal because of the type of content they might be creating with it. In those cases, if you can show that TikTok is not acting the way that any other company of their size and stature is in handling those takedowns and, um, you know, like dealing with 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 COPA, the, you know, um, online private, the Children's Online Privacy Prevention Act stuff, if, if they're not dealing with those rules and regulations um, adequately, then there are punitive, uh, you know, steps that you can take. And I think that, that that's when you could get into looking at, okay, is there a fine? Is there something where, you know, Apple or Google or someone would need to step in if, if something isn't being followed? Like, I think that there are steps you can take that way that isn't do nothing versus, you know, put up a great firewall. So I agree with you that it's not an either or, but I, I also think that there are more measures in place than we realize and that, if we if we want to have this conversation about who has access to what then and and what appli- what applications can do it's going to get way bigger than TikTok real quick and that doesn't mean we shouldn't have the conversation but we should be aware that it's going to that like 
the, the but the barn door is open and it's not going to get closed again, unfortunately. Like this is something that's been going on for more than 20 years. And it's, it's a reality. Uh, you know, Congress has continued to push back net neutrality rules and other rules about how data can be sold and transmitted. Like that's something that Congress has done. So when we talk about regulation, unfortunately, what regulators have done is give these companies more rights, not less. Right. Well, I mean, this is, you're right. We're not going to agree today. <laughs> That's I mean, fine. I, finally. For, for me, finally, for, for we me, actually. Finally <laughs> on this show. No, I, I, I hear where you're coming from on, on 90% of that. It's just to me, I think if you're saying, okay, we can count on the, the, the storefronts to do oversight. Um, I just think Google has a, a vested financial interest in collecting this data um, as well. Like that's, their, that's their model. So I think, I think they're not the right cop on the beat for that. And, you know, the point is like, look, I can't freaking assess if a damn Reddit thread is credible or not. The overall point is we don't know. And I personally think for uh, for companies of this size running software run by this many people, I wouldn't have problem if Congress said you need to su- submit uh, your binaries to a, a security audit, right? Like it's got to be audited. These are the steps. This is the data you can collect. This is reasonable. Um, if you don't, like, you're subject to the same trade sanctions we might use for for other things. If you've ever looked into globalization and how those breaks work to, like, measure sure. how companies can trade with each other, my God, they've got really good lawyers working on that. Yeah, and- I, they, they do. But, but also there are, as you say, like trade regulations and sanctions. I mean, there are things, for instance, that if you are, if you are a, a United States-based company, you cannot allow, you know, users from other com- countries to access or do certain things. You know, GitHub, uh, which uh, Disclosure, you know, Microsoft, the company I work for, owns, has been criticized by a lot of people because if you are a citizen of Iran and a few other countries that have been sanctioned, you can can't use certain features. And and the, the company has done as much as they possibly legally can to not completely cut those users off from being able to access things because it does come down to, in some cases, you know, like these are people who have nothing to do with the government. They just want to contribute to a project. But there are, there are government rules that prevent those things from happening. And if you want to make those rules about something that is happening, you know, for people who are located in certain countries, and if you want to talk about how data can be done. Those things to me, like they already exist. To me, I think that then taking it to another level and expecting there to be some sort of third-party security audit for every app that we have on our phone or every website that we use, you know, I, I, a, I don't think, just well, I don't think it scales. Certain scale. Well, yeah. I don't, th- I don't think it scales at all. And I also, to be totally candid, have no trust in, like, if we want to talk about, you know, trust. I don't trust that the government, whether it's the Chinese government or, or the U.S. government, whether it's a is, is going to be using, you know, that the, the, what their security people are going to be saying, it's going to be any more accurate than anything else. The reality is this. If companies want to make the decision that they think that this is a risky app and that their employees shouldn't install it, that is definitely their prerogative. My only pushback on that is that if you as a company want me as your employee to pay for my own device and then access your content on my own device that I pay for, you don't get to dictate what apps I can and cannot install 
if the app is something that is available widely in an app store. If you want to take that precaution, you know, then Wells Fargo or the Navy or the Army or, if you know, even if it was Amazon, Amazon pushed back. You can issue um, me my own company mandated phone, and I will only do those things. That is a completely appropriate step. But me as an employee, I'm not going, I, I do have a really big problem with, you know, us trying to then kind of get into this place of, oh, we can't trust the, you know, multi, the, the mobile device management software to keep things separate, even though that's literally what that job is and what these companies are worth billions and billions of dollars do, because there could be a zero day that the NSA or the Chinese government or the Israeli government or a government in, um, you know, um, North Korea or someplace else could get access to it and could have other provisions. Like to me, that just, I, if you're that yeah. paranoid about those things, that's a company's right. But then you need to actually pay and like issue me your phone. And, and also you need to be looking at, okay, if, if this is really your high level concern, should we be having any sort of digital communication? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's fair. And just the last thing I want to say on this is I, I do think it could scale. Like you could put, you could pass a law that basically it's it's putting the 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 pressure on the digital storefront right meaning google play or the app store saying look if you're selling an app uh through this store um this is what you need to do you need to make sure that you're notifying the users in plain language about the information that's being taken from them and you have a responsibility and if you don't uh, make sure that this is being followed through and this is accurate, then you are going to face you know, maybe a civil consequence, right? And then if you're then that's putting Apple and Google in charge of doing what they do best, which is kind of making sure malware isn't on the store. I'm just spitballing here, but I think I don't I, I get frustrated because I think sometimes when we can't come up with ideas that are perfect, we don't try anything. And I do think that it's a it's time to start taking this stuff seriously. How many horror stories are we going to cover on Rocket before we do something? All right. Well, let us move <laughs> on to our delicious dessert for the day. And that's Ubisoft Forward, which happened Ooh. this weekend. I will open this by saying, obviously, Ubisoft as a company is going through the same upheaval that the entire games industry and the entire world is going through right now and that like they've had extremely high level people that have been investigated and uh resigned slash let go for uh harassment of women and glad those people are gone but they had this conference <laughs> um and i will say i was involved in like before the conference happened i was able to play watchdogs valhalla a demo of oh, it were you? tell us tell Indeed. us tell us yes it rocks yes i'm so excited i love watchdogs i actually did i say watchdogs i meant assassin's creed i you did say watchdogs valhalla and i and and, and I, I i wasn't even thinking the the proper i was like that's not the right it's yeah, because sorry. i'm looking at a, i'm yeah. looking at an article this summer yeah i know what game i played oh my god i'm looking at an article <laughs> with the list of things they talked about at the conference and i'm looking at okay so tell us about assassin's creed uh first let me do the thing where i say what they talked about uh, so they showed new footage of Far Cry 6. They showed yes. stuff from Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch 
Dogs Legion, as well as their new game, which is called, I think, Hyperscape. I might be making that up. Honestly, I was on a walk in the park when this was airing, and so I was <laughs> kind of listening to it on my phone. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yes. Haha. Anyway, um, so before this all happened, I got to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I am not like as immediately sold on it as I think I was on Odyssey. Um, and I'm I'm kind of trying to sort through my feelings on that. However, tonally, I am extremely into what they are presenting in that the the England that we see, they're kind of leaning into something that they've been leaning towards since Origins and the whole series was rebooted, where it's in the a very ancient world and there's kind of this gray area where it's like is this am i fighting this scary enemy who actually has magic powers or is there like a larger uh or or is there like some nefarious thing going on in the example that was in the gameplay that i did and then in the trailer the gameplay that they showed at ubisoft forward was um you find this body like strung up between these trees and it's a trap where you get drugged and then you fight this uh, frightening wonderful enemy who is a daughter of king lear um and because you're drugged you kind of see like smoke and like strange hallucinations and it becomes this thing where like you're a viking so is this like a pagan power that you're fighting or are you just drugged and i really like the the kind of nebulous area that that exists in um it makes me very happy did that make any goddamn sense it did yeah so you liked it yes i did like it okay so i mean uh from what i've seen like people are are really raving about this game uh it looks totally very very similar to assassin's creed odyssey a game i liked and blame simone for wasting Uh 50 hours (laughs) of my life with that game i like that game too but but also, I've got to say, that game has the worst in-app purchases of any console game I've ever played in my life. Like, you boot it up, and it's like, hey, Brie, you're using that that level 40 knife. Don't you want to spend $2 and get, get this level 41 knife? And then that level 40 knife just stops working super well. You're like, maybe I'll just spend that money and move on. And it just does that. Constantly. Wow, that was not my experience at all with Odyssey. I, I think that is a. I've seen many people. I've make seen that observation. people have, have like because there are the XP packs that you can buy, but they exist in their own part of the menu. It's not something that comes up when you are in the gameplay. Well, yeah, I mean, but your weapon stops working, and then you're like, okay, let me go to the sub screen and do this and you're you're presented with this store i you would agree that there are many opportunities like your weapon you're constantly upgrading it and you can just skip all that by buying weapons along the way up to a certain point um i found that to be excessive for a full-priced uh game and i thought it was a really bad direction for ubisoft uh, I also think my my concern was uh, the world felt very repetitive here. I wanted to 100% this, but the islands all looked so much the same that at a certain point I came to the conclusion it uh, really wasn't worth my time, if that makes sense. I have put over 120 hours into that game <laughs> and I want to die. Um, I, yeah, I will say tonally, 
like in terms of the myth being included in Valhalla, I, I found the incorporation of myth to be similar to something that Odyssey does. In terms of the humor that Odyssey has, I have not seen that in Valhalla yet, which is not to say that it's not there because I only played three hours of it um, and I had not had any coffee that morning. So my mind was in a place. But um Eivor is certainly seems like a more serious character, or at least a, a more wry and subtle character than Cassandra. Um, and whether that's a plus or a minus, I think is pretty subjective because obviously I love Cassandra and I love like her dirtbag humor. I think I mentioned in my preview. This game looks interesting. I hope they have fewer IAPs with it. I can't yeah. wait to raid villages. Like you can pull your pirate ship or your Viking I ship. Say, I, I'm so surprised because I find weapons all the freaking time in Odyssey. And I'm always like upgrading my favorite ones at the blacksmith, but that doesn't, I guess I guess you could buy resources if you're running low on resources. Yeah. Um, but like that doesn't really happen. I absolutely to me. bought resources. So Okay. <laughs> there it is. There See, I think is. I think this is like where we're getting to like a very core, like different way that people play. Like, and I'm I'm probably more on Vree's side in that like if I have the option to pay or if I have to kind of like grind through and do that, I'll just pay, which can then become frustrating. Whereas Simone is like, you're not getting my money. Uh, and and we'll just put in 120 hours. Or was, is that how much you said you put yes. into the game? Yes. I mean, yes. I'm, 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 I'm not judging. Yeah. No, it's, it's, but then that's, I would argue that's bad game design because then you're like, no matter what, when I was playing this game... Well, I'm not grinding for 120 hours. I'm not done with it. Like I finished the main story, but now I'm playing the DLC. And right. I'm trying to hundred percent all the quests. It, it compromises game design when you you have a, a knife that's really well made, and it's a legendary item, and you're attacking someone, and it's just not doing anything. And you're going, "Am I failing because I don't understand a game mechanic, or because I didn't spend money?" And I feel like Assassin's Creed crossed the line in introducing that question into it. That's fair. Yeah, I'm not defending the in-app purchases. I'm just asserting that they don't, they are not presented to you except when you go to the store. Okay, fair enough. That's all. Um, so there's also Far Cry 6. Did either of you see this trailer? Because it is freaking stunning. I listened I to it. Far Cry. <laughs> okay, let me paint a word picture. You, okay, have please you seen, do. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah. I know of Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> right. So, so uh, Gustavo Frank plays the villain in this. And I'm about to spoil the tra the trailer. So it opens on this little boy, this thing they're painting this model while there's a riot and a revolution outside. And Giancarlo Esposito comes in and hands him a grenade and starts going, this grenade is very simple. There are four parts. And then he brings you out and he's like, you know, uh, the the people are the same way, but they have two parts. You must hold them in your hands or the, everything will explode. And it's so awesome and it's intense and he's El Presidente of Far Cry 6 and you're going to get to play Revolutionary and there's a dog, an adorable puppy named oh, Chorizo no. in a wheelchair. Oh, no. in a, he, has, he has a wagon for rear legs and he's a pre-order bonus. And How everyone did I, I miss know on, that? Oh, you've got to see Per Chorizo. He's amazing. 
So I'm ultra psyched for Far Cry 6. And just one more thing. Far Cry's had some amazing villains. You've got uh, the guy that plays Nacho on uh, Better Call Saul. He played, uh, what's his name, uh, in Far Cry 3. You had Troy Baker uh, in Far Cry 4. Far Cry 5 was kind of a, a, a it wasn't that great. But you know, for Far Cry 6, we've got another great villain. And I'm psyched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I liked his performance in the, tra- the part of the trailer that I listened to, because as I said, I was walking in the park. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like people are pretty psyched for it. Um, I probably will not play it, but oh. I validate your excitement. You don't find it exciting, like sneaking through brush with the VP90 and then you... I'm going to be doing that in a little game called Assassin's Creed Valhalla. (laughs) This is a thing. When you play both of them, you see how they've copied and pasted parts of the same engine into these two games. I don't want to know. We're going to talk about Watch Dogs. (laughs) It's the same thing. Watch Dogs Legion, I am very excited for. And I'm pretty upset that it and Valhalla and Cyberpunk are coming out around the same season, which, of course, that's Game of the Year season. It's normal. However, I actually want to play all of these. Mm-hmm. So for once, I am in a bad position. Yeah, I'm a, I am I love Watch Dogs and I'm excited about that. I'm obviously, I'm so excited about Cyberpunk. Like I yes. literally bought every single Cyberpunk accessory that you can buy. Like the, you know, piece of capitalistic, like, you know, loving, like, yeah. we know person you. that I am. I know, we, we know, I'm just... <laughs> We, we we know that this is who I am, but also like it's so my aesthetic, and I'm just I'm really looking forward to the game. It looks uh, great. Watch. I, I have to say, like it bothers me though that you have what you have one customizable vagina option and three like these ultra customization options for uh, penises, and that just doesn't seem very feminist to me. Like when, like bring bring a variety. When CD Projekt Red has their special conference, then we'll talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Watchdog Legion um, yes. is, of course, the third game in the Watchdog series, which is all about cybersecurity and hacking. Um, and in this one, which uh, th- they showed this feature at E3 last year, but our previewer Dave Tack got to experience it himself when he did the demo for Watchdogs while I was doing my demo for Valhalla. Um, you can play any NPC that you've recruited to. The watchdogs, uh, which I think is very, very cool. So it creates situations where you are maybe playing the wrong character, that your character has the wrong skill set for a particular mission. Say you're playing as he was an old lady, but you're trying to break into a construction site. Well, if you've recruited a character who is a construction worker, you can simply play as that NPC instead. They become a PC instead of an NPC. Ha ha ha. Um, and you're able to then complete the mission without necessarily compromising, like, you know, busting in there like I would do if I were a Viking and trying to complete a mission. <laughs> if you, <laughs> you were can, a Viking. If I were a Viking, just for example. You are a Viking. Um, but yeah, you could complete a mission without raising suspicion because you're just another person who is supposed to be in that location. Um, so I, I find that a very cool feature in theory. In practice, I am interested to see, like, how it plays out when you have potentially recruited i don't know however many npcs there are in the world that you could potentially recruit like what are the actual mechanical differences between them 
can you, are you really incentivized to complete missions without just resorting to, as I so often do in Assassin's Creed, busting out your weapons and killing everyone? <laughs> because that kind of breaks the fiction of Watchdogs, where you are this hacker collective and not necessarily trying to stay under the radar, but certainly not trying to get caught in the middle of an op and com- commit a bunch of murders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like Watchdog one it came out and they literally put out a gta patch that captured the two different gameplay features that this game introduced to really show how shallow the innovation was with that and then watchdog 2 came out watchdogs 2 came out and i have to say like i've played a lot of games with your generic like angry white man protagonist this is probably the worst i've ever played like his (laughs) wife gets killed in the first five minutes it's just a very shallow character and i found the characterization in that game so weak that i just didn't play it past hour five what makes this interesting to me is that mechanic but Simone, to get back to what you're saying where you can recruit everyone in the world I, I'm confused about that because they've also said there are 15 characters that uh, they have 15 different voice tracks. And, you know, if you're playing as a spy or a construction worker or the, you know, the, 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 the police officer character, they all have their own uh, tr- voice track that will show up in the cutscene. So I'm confused. Is it 15 characters? Uh, is it just multiple copies of the same characters with randomly generated names? How does this actually work? Because we've we've seen the gameplay where you can't walk up to everyone and recruit them. You have missions with certain people and you do it and then uh, DeadSec like, figures out how they're being blackmailed and then erases that evidence and then they're loyal. So I, I'm just really confused on that point. I would also like answers to that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm interested in finding out closer to when the game comes out is how how much that promise is actually fulfilled. And that is our show. <laughs> Brianna, what are you doing this week? <laughs> what am I doing this week? Well, uh, Mario uh, Origami King uh, dropped today, which I'm very excited about. Uh, nice. Also, there's the uh, the ghost. Uh, what's the full title of this? Do you know, Simone? The ghost of ghost something. Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima. That dropped today. I don't know if you've seen pictures of, of this game, but it's beautiful. And like the wind is constantly blowing you towards wherever your nav marker is telling you to go. So when that unlocks, I'm sorry, I think it's tomorrow or the day after, I'm going to be playing that this week. Sick. Christina, what about you? Okay, so... Um... A few things. First of all, because my friend Ashley is not going to listen to this, and, and by the time um, this uh, airs, she'll have unwrapped it anyway. Aww. I discovered that they make baby Jordans. Oh, my God. So you can buy, like, Jordans or LeBron uh, James shoes or, like, Travis Scott uh, kicks oh. for your baby or toddler. This has changed my life because I'm going to be ant hype beast and <laughs> amazing. So that was that that was one thing I'm going to be kind of looking more into those options. Uh 
in that same vein of, of trying to hype beast all the things, um, it won't be available until um, August 1st, but Brianna and I are incredibly excited to be giving Lego and Nintendo oh. all of our money <laughs> because they announced this ridiculous 2,600-piece, like, classic NES Lego kit that includes like a CRT TV and there's like an add-on kit that you have to use with it with Mario where that has like it's a, it's like an it's like an IoT type of thing where it'll make noise and you can kind of move things around with a crank and like there's a, a cartridge like that you can blow into like it's ridiculous I'm the last time I was this excited about a Lego kit it was when they came out with the Simpsons house so there's that and um, I've, I'm just I've got a bunch of stuff going on with work, um, but uh, I'm I'm also just like thinking about ways that I can waste my money on on things either. You but guys like, are it's so not, boned. But it's not just for me now. Like it's 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 for Baby Willis because I've course, discovered that yes. I can that there's like hype hype beast baby is is going to be a thing. Um, oh. And you guys, I'm after we finish this, I'm going to send you photos. So you can see how cute the shoes are and you'll understand why I feel like this is all I want to do now is like buy little baby clothes <laughs> that ha- because they're just tiny. Like I don't want a baby to be very clear. I just, I just, just really like the, the clothes. Little, tiny clothes. I just want the little tiny clothes. Yeah. It's the dopamine hit of being like, you know, a cool aunt without all the stress of actually raising a child. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. Great. But, but also it's Best like, it's really scenario. just like, the, it's, it's just, it's just the tiny little cute stuff. It's just kind of amazing. <laughs> I can relate. I bought a pair of very cheap shoes recently that, were size seven theoretically but because they're cheap they're actually just bigger and they stretched a lot too but every time i look at them i'm like oh look at my little size seven feet oh they're so cute (laughs) they're not they're like eight and a half but i feel tiny (laughs) you feel tiny (laughs) anyway so that's what i'm doing this week is looking at my feet (laughs) um no what am I doing? I'm just working, y'all. We have a really cool episode of Speedrun coming out on Friday. We interviewed Ebonics, who is a Sims modder, and she makes just a bunch of stuff in The Sims for Black players, like skin tones and hair and clothes and things so that people can feel more represented in the game. Um, so we talked to her, and she's just, like, an absolutely inspiring person who is very cool. So... Um, yeah, that's one thing I'm really proud of that I worked on this week. Hey, yeah, awesome. the the new Jack Bauer show drops on Quibi, Quibi soon. Oh my which god, I'm excited about! So that's why I subscribe Speedrun too because you. you are killing it. But we're trying I, to get yes. Trevor Noah is going to have a gaming show on Speedrun, and we're trying to be like, hey, can we ha- ha- or on Quibi rather? I keep man, right. I'm messing up all my words tonight. Um, (laughs) he has a show coming out on Quibi. We are trying to get him on our Quibi show, Speedrun. You should do that. Um, You should do that. Yeah, he's just going to be gaming with his pals. And I'm like, let us be your pal. Pal? Hey, pal. That's what I call Trevor Noah. Uh, Anyway, wow. If you like Rocket, you should review it on Apple Podcasts. That'd be super cool of you. (laughs) Um, And hey, pour one out for the blue checks who can't tweet. Think of us. Um, thanks everyone for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 